personal passions come into the work you're doing now and what's next um i guess personal passions photography i kind of dabbled in it in school a little bit and i've been able to keep it up ever since then i think having an eye for photography and art direction in general just really allows you to see graphic design as a bigger picture and a more broad stroke and i think that that's been really helpful for me and like actually getting behind the lens and sometimes like seeing photography as something you would take or art direct and not just use in a layout. I think you're being modest too. I think you have a passion for typography. That's why I passed it to her. Because <laughs> in every project, Caroline is always making a custom typeface immediately. It's her first solution. What's your <laughs> so. favorite font? Do you have like one like, favorite child? See, it's the opposite. I'm gonna go like straight up. Helvetica. No. <laughs> no, for real. Like if I'm just... No, yeah, how else? Because if I'm not, I kind of want it to recede if it's I'm first designing, and then as I start to build a composition and start building out from there, I'll start experimenting with whatever feels right. But I almost see Helvetica as like the blank slate. It's like the working in black and white of typography, if that makes yeah. any sense. Before yeah. we would add color. It's like wireframing. Yes, no. exactly. <laughs> Brad, right? Um, so I started learning how to make perfume recently, which I'm not even sure how that cropped up, but I was just interested in thinking about the creativity and the senses, haptics being a thing that are growing, and, and um, just I've always enjoyed things that are quite ambiguous, visuals being one of them. But um, So I played with, you know, starting to play with smells and, and did a workshop with a perfumer, Mandy Aftel. And what I loved about the workshop is that I knew nothing going in. I mean, literally, there, there were people that flew in from Australia that were making candles and perfumes and, you know, knew how, how every scent kind of laddered up to a larger taxonomy and fit within some code. And I was really getting tripped up in the workshop. I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. Is this from a root? Like, is this a woody scent or what? And, and she was like, don't worry about it, you know, it's ultimately your own rules that you're writing, you need to make sense of it in service of the craft. And it just free, it, I had such a sense of freedom from that, and I was like, oh, there's this beginner's <laughs> mind quality that comes out of this practice, and I was, I think, in terms of how I'm bringing that to the office, is like, that's very valuable, a sense of having a beginner's mind, and what does it mean to kind of make the space in our creative setting to give people that freedom. Because I think it's very easy to get caught up in what we know about the industry and clients and, and jobs, and that can be really inspiring, and sometimes that can be challenging, and how do you kind of let go of that from time to time and just say, wait, or forget about the rules, forget about the grid, forget about what looks pretty or beautiful, and say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of free to do whatever. And I think that was just really nice to be reminded of what that felt like. Thanks, Brad. All right, who's got the microphone? Oh, perfect. We're still recording, correct? I just want to double, double check. Okay, perfect. Literally, for the last 35 minutes, you've all been talking, and in the back of my head, it's been like, hee, hee, ha, ha. Is it recording? Did you come all the way to San Francisco? <laughs> this is <been> really... <laughs> it's recording. Okay, good. That's good. I should have just asked. I don't know why I didn't just... You're like right there. Okay, who has the microphone? Oh, right here. What? Mohammed? Uh, Mahmoud. 
Oh, perfect. Um, hi, everyone. Thanks for this tonight. Um, my question is open to anyone. Something that I've kind of thought of over time in design, and this is kind of general, but really hits it with branding, is your client is the expert on their business, but you're the experts in branding. And bringing them along for this journey and setting uh, like setting the pace and building that trust with them, especially for a company like MailChimp that, MailChimp that like really lives in their brand, uh, are there any kind of learning experiences that you've learned along the way that have kind of yeah, helped that success happen? Um, I think it's a really interesting puzzle that as an agency where, you know, is almost this like meta design challenge, which is like, um, when you're working with bigger companies, especially, it's not just about creating a beautiful design system. It's about understanding the team that's going to be executing that and what are their strengths and weaknesses. It's about understanding the company itself and trying to build your design solution to work in that environment. And that environment is always changing. Uh, and so that's this like, I think I've probably gone off topic a little bit here, but it's just like, I think, you know, the bigger you get, the more the design problem is not just about the design problem, it's about designing the way that the design problem is solved, um, which is a really bizarre thing. But, um, you know, at some point, if we want it, like design just doesn't scale very well. And if we want this stuff to have that impact, we have to find ways to invite other people into it and empower those people to execute against it and make it better over time. And, and so that's kind of all I have to say. Yeah, so I think the lessons are know your team, the team that's gonna be executing it, what they're good at, where they might be kind of growing a team around the solution, what's their appetite for change. I think we really try to modulate in service of that. And get, they need skin in the game, you know, how. I'm sure you guys are doing this too, but you know, having them come in early, be parts of critique, really designing who are the committees that are involved, you know, might be different people at different times depending on their strengths and their skills and really making them part of the process. Um, but I think we're always trying to also keep some distance too because you know, that's why they hire us is to be outside of what's happening internally and to kind of bring some outside perspective and doing things in a way that they're not kind of caught up in how they do it all the time and that's our value in many ways. And so that striking that balance is the interesting challenge and we, we really experiment every time with a client and what's their appetite. And I think you know, give yourself permission to check in you know, after a month, after two weeks and be like, should this change? Um, I think sometimes it's easy to be like, great, we fixed it. This is how it's going to go from start to finish. And, you know, it's, it's good to kind of calibrate. Um, we're experiment we've experimented with, like, client residencies and, and, and vice versa. And I think there's ways to kind of get people on board and part of uh, the problem solving as well. Awesome. All right. Make some noise. You guys are having a good time. You guys feel good? Woo! <laughs> told you. You guys are all going to be obsessed with Collins. You caught the bug. Yeah, you guys gotta drink more, for real. Can, like, a few people get up and get a drink? Let's do this. All right, here we go. All right, uh, right back there. Your name, please? Hi, I'm Tommy. Um, this Hi. question's for any of you guys, but uh, Benjamin talked about the double-edged sword of the internet and inspiration and working in brands, uh, working with brands nowadays, uh, how that can, yeah, come back to bite you. How do you guys combat that in, uh, in your agency? Um, one, put pen to paper like get off the internet. I mean, it's it seems very simple, but actually just like think in ideas and a good way of doing that is stop 
looking for inspiration and actually just try to think through the problem by s sketching it. it um, I, I think it's weird. We just don't see it all that much. And I think it's easy to forget that is you know, part of our job. But literally spend the day just drawing on a, on a piece of paper and kind of thinking through the problem that way. I mean, we're always like looking to art and culture, you know, um, nerding out on the internet, go down the rabbit holes instead of, you know, kind of the go-to places. And to the point around passion, like look, look in places that you wouldn't expect. You know, if there's an idea you're circulating around, you know, I don't know what that is, say bioluminescence, you know, go down all the tracks of bioluminescence that have nothing to do with the aesthetics of it. Cause you're gonna find some pretty interesting things if you go down that. Um, and you know, that's where it starts to get weird and that's where it starts to get interesting and find all of the, you know, adjacencies off of that. I like to do like word maps and, and kind of think of all the ways into a thing and just tackle it from all sides. And, you know, get offline, go about, talk to people, you know, interview people, talk to, you know, users. I think that's always a really great starting point in thinking about human-centered design. If you have a conversation with somebody and why they love something, I can guarantee you there's going to be a point of inspiration there. You know, take it, use it as fuel. Um, don't, you know, going instinctively is really valuable, but sometimes kind of getting outside of your head and talking to somebody about what's interesting, specifically as a brand, as a user, like who are their, um, who are their customers, that can be a big point of inspiration. Think of it like journalism. Just to that point, and something that uh, the co-founder of Collins actually said on, on the podcast um, was that Lee said that he was intellectually promiscuous, which I love. Because it implies this notion of like, you know, you're a designer, so you have to read about design. Like maybe you can learn about like systems design and that, you know, go to museums. Like nothing inspired me more in my life than going to learn about Milton Hershey, the guy who made the Hershey's chocolate. Who would have ever thought that Milton Hershey in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, but it was because it had like nothing to do with anything, but it informed it. So don't be afraid to have your, uh, to be informed from other places, no matter where it is, not just in design. I mean, you bring up a really good point, which is just knowing a brand's history, right? It's gonna be very easy to take it at face value, kind of, oh, I know the name, I know X, but go deep into the founder, into where they grew up, what manifested, you know, who they are today, what were the seeds of inspiration, all of the, you know, kind of trove of advertising that they did historically. I mean, that can be so rich, and I think is often untapped as a source, and, um, you know, I think you'd, you know, you'll find that there's lots of, entertainment down those avenues. Oh yeah, I'll just, um, to your very first point, I think, you know, books are great because I think chances are if you're looking at it on the internet, someone else is looking at it on the internet, and just by looking in a book or something a little bit less current, you are looking at a source that's outside of that. I think it's really, like, I was thinking about this, you know, it feels like design is really diverse, but if you step back and look at other eras, you can just so clearly see the moves that have become kind of common and the check marks of like, I did a good design because I did XYZ. Like we were at the Eames exhibit at, um, at the Oakland Museum, we went as a studio, which was lovely. And you look at like some of the old Eames catalogs and some of these things and you're just like, this is beautiful, but it's totally outside of what you would find surfaced on a blog nowadays as kind of like, I mean, some of the mainstream ones anyway. Uh, and so, you know, books have that quality where you can just kind of look, and that's why Brian is always kind of on everyone about getting into library. And to Corinne's point, um, sketching, 
ideas removes formalism from solving the problem because most designers are actually ironically terrible illustrators <laughs> um, and so you kind of have to focus on like what's the idea I'm trying to communicate because I can't draw it very well um, and that's kind of helpful as well um, I guess also the MoMA here is such a great resource that I always love to go there at the start of a project just to like open up what I'm looking at furniture design um, Ellsworth Kelly it all it's amazing as well as, um, I guess, a second point for MailChimp, we were really inspired by the corporate offices, like internal offices, and I think that's often a space where non-designers are hanging stuff and like working on stuff and like desks. It's all very what's happening really in the company and what they really need, and I think that's great inspiration as well. Suck up art and culture. Last plug, Letterform <laughs> Archive as well, if you guys have been. <laughs> Also an amazing source, yes, yes. Um, we are starting to go more and more there as a point of inspiration, kind of kick off idea ideas. They're amazing. You can just say, here's some themes I'm thinking about, and they'll just pull out a ton of books and histories, annuals, and um, it's just something to kind of tickle the imagination. For sure. Tickle the imagination, Ellie. That's good. That's got a nice ring to it. That's going to be in the next deck of Collins. They're going to be like, we just want to tickle your imagination with this new font called Oswald. <laughs> Callback. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, let's do uh, one more question right here. I'll tell you first. Okay. Yes. Uh, speaking of books, uh, what are the six books call, uh, Collins books you reviewed? You, you oh, The Architecture of Happiness by Alain de That's my best French impression. Yes. Oh, it's okay. No, okay, we'll do one. No, it's perfectly fine. Yeah, Alan DeBoton, The Architecture of Happiness. Oh, School of Life. Yes. Got you. Hi, thank you. Um, so I just absolutely adore the Exploratorium After Dark campaign. Um, so much that a little ashamed to admit, but there's a bus shelter in front of my apartment, and I've seriously considered smashing the glass in the dark of night to steal the poster out of it. Damn, bro. I won't, but <laughs> San Francisco's I would really crazy. love one of those posters on my wall. People um, yell outside the windows here like it's no one's business. I don't know what that is. People just scream in the streets here. Sorry. Oh, you just tune it out after. <laughs> I feel like I was home in New York. Go ahead. Sorry. But I particularly love it because the entire campaign is just black and white, and having pitched a number of total black and white projects and frequently not selling them through. I'm just curious, was that a hard sell to the client or did they take to it right away? They took to it right away. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah. They're cool. I can give a little backstory there. So, um, you know, After Dark, if any of you guys haven't been, it's amazing. You should go. Um, it's their Thursday evening program for adults. I think, um, interestingly, the Exploratorium, while it serves everybody and does so well, I think it has this misperception that it's just for kids. And so that's always a little bit of a challenge in kind of some of the brand communications with them. But After Dark is specifically for adults. And so some of that in terms of the campaign was making it feel a little bit more elevated for one and, and starting to signal more adult centrism. I think really easy thing, kind of again, from a competitive set. We looked at what were the other Thursday evening programs and all of the advertising looked exactly the same, which was a lot of colorful, multi-colorful lights on a floor in a museum space. And so it's really easy to point at all of that and be like, this is what everybody's looking like. And it's also all very colorful. And so what's a way to differentiate, you know, let's go the extreme opposite black and white. 
And I think that teamed with kind of from a company perspective, they had a deep history of optical illusions. They're a museum based on kind of sensory phenomenon in science. And so that is just inherently tethered to that. And we could point, you know, they literally have tiles in their bathroom that are optical illusions and say that is a point of inspiration. It is very true to you and to the idea of kind of bringing the sensorial kind of out into space. And that was all about, you know, questioning your perception. You know, they're very much of the ethos that you don't tell people what to think. You just put something in front of them that's engaging and that will be enough to make people kind of want to understand something. And so that kind of, um, the idea of an optical illusion kind of allows you to kind of question something and want to go deeper. Awesome, let's give a huge round of applause to this incredible panel. Oh, so fun, thank you guys, we did it. Amazing. Uh, Wearecollins.com, correct? That's correct. On Instagram, this is Collins. And it's capital Collins, the whole thing. And then sometimes there's like the, the little dot dot afterwards, which is really cool. Is there any story behind that, Ben, since you're... Dot dot? Yeah. Was it a colon? I guess, you know, Brian... A colon, sorry. At, at a type function, no less, sorry. Probably helpful. The story was, or at least how Brian tells it, is that registering the name of the company as his last name and not as a random name was less expensive when he started, and so he started as just Collins, uh, and then it was kind of too late to change it, and so he's been on this permanent endeavor to kind of signal that it's not just him and elevate, which is one of the wonderful things about working with Brian, by the way, is he's very much interested in elevating the voices of the people that work with him. Mm-hmm. And so the dot dot was a kind of graphic device for like, you know, there's more coming. Um, And then we are Collins and, you know, that was us trying to make that same idea. And then this is Collins is because we couldn't get we are Collins on Instagram. And so that was that. I read the creative and lie, which is terrible. And then uh, I'm going to pass it over to James here in a second. I'm going to pass it to you. Uh, And then the, the handles here is type Thursday SF for Instagram, correct? All right, everyone who's here, who's new? Raise your hands, new people. Raise your hands, if it's your first time. If all you guys can go on Instagram right now and follow Type Thursday SF. This is Collins? This is Collins, right? And meet the creators and why. All right, one more round of applause. I'm gonna hand it over to James. Thank you, thank you, thank you. San Francisco, I will be back every time. Thank you guys, you guys, you guys.